What do you think of when you hear the word treasure? Does it take you to a time of taverns, thick with the din of West Country men drinking to the prospect of plunder? A time when outcast, degenerate mutineers took to their galleons and flew the skull and crossbones hot on the scent of gold? Jim Harkins, him that was shipmate with me at Treasure Island. Thanks to cinematic romance, it would seem every pirate is destined to obsess over that legendary X that marks the spot, perhaps making them one of the world's original treasure hunters. Well, in these modern times, for some, treasure is something that is not hunted at sea, but is unearthed, restored and even rescued from the unassuming farmer's field. A labour of wonder that goes well beyond personal glory. A labour that sounds a lot like this. There we go, that's a good start. The metal detectorist on the Isle of Man who has spent two years digging up rusty tin cans and the odd old penny, well, his luck has changed and he has quite literally struck gold. A medieval ring found by a metal detectorist in one of the island's northern parishes was declared as treasure. The 15th in century artefact, which was found by metal detectorist Gordon Graham, became the first piece of treasure under a new law. A historic court ruling has declared a piece of jewellery found in a field by Gordon Graham, a part-time metal detectorist, is medieval treasure. In the so-called treasure trove inquest at Douglas Courthouse, Coroner John Needham presided over what he called an auspicious occasion. We on to something. So we're in a bit of an undisclosed location, shall we say, mm-hmm, yeah. up north. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that, yeah that's good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but um, why would it be? Why would you be precious about where you found, for example, that ring? <laughs> uh, it's it's really for a number of reasons. The main thing is to first of all to protect the landowner. Uh, being a detectorist, your permissions, as they call it, uh, can be quite a private and sort of personal thing. Yeah, there is land that's shared, and but it's always nice to have a bit bit yourself. You can go for your own peace and tranquility. Um, and it's not getting disturbed, so you know yourself what bits of a field you've done, what bits you can go back to. Um, but you don't want loads of people knocking on the landowner's door, you know, constantly harassing them to try and get on. It doesn't happen in the Isle of Man. Is, is there something called... Is it called night hawking? Yeah. Um, something that I've never heard of happening in the Isle of Man, which is a good thing. Um, basically what night hawking is, that, that's, I'm only going by what I've read... Um, it's people who perhaps don't have a permission or maybe attempted to get a permission land and it's been refused. But they think, obviously, it's got a lot of historical interest. Or, so they'll go on at night um, and just start metal detecting at night under the cover of darkness so people can't see them. It's theft. It's against the law. Yeah. You know, um, it should never be done. Unfortunately, it has been done. You remember in the news not so long ago, there was night hawking getting taken place at Hadrian's Wall. Oh, right. Uh, that was in the news. That's just horrendously bad. You know, that's... What and pe- just holes up and just up, holes up, up, everywhere, yeah. yeah. And the problem is too, from what I'm seeing on social media in the UK, is they're digging holes. But you know, I see, I've just dug up. I'm just leaving it. I'm just going on to the next hole. So the poor farmer or the landowner wakes up in the morning, and you've got all holes. So they're not following proper practice oh, there at all. No, no, not at no. all. Not at all. And they, they do give detectorists a bad name. You know, it's a bit like fishing. Fishing with a license is correct. 
but you know people who go poaching you know that's what that's basically well, that's what it is yeah. yeah yeah um so you've got to have permission it's funny before i done metal detecting i could have walked past the field and looked at a guy metal detecting going oh what's he doing hmm. yeah oh, he's trying to find you know coins or something but when i got into it and i got my first detector oh my god it's so addictive <laughs> oh you have no idea if I, if I wasn't out detecting at night you know cooking tea you'd have youtube on and I'd be watching detecting videos, and then you'd get the magazines and stuff like that. So this is like a, a recent wonder for you, getting into this as a sort of a part-time or full-time hobby. Yeah, I mean, it has. It's only been two years. I don't get out that much. The summertime's different, you know, like you get the long evening, so you can maybe get a couple of hours out. But, you know, some people have a lunch break, and if they walk around Douglas for half an hour, you know, go to the shops, I just jump in the car, you know. I've got permissions maybe 15 minutes from my house, 10 minutes from my house. Just jump in the car and just go for half an hour. You know, just have a wee swing about, you know, and have a sandwich. And that's how I kind of spend my, my hobby, or do it in the evening, you know, just for an hour here before it gets dark. A swing about, that's very much metal detector talk, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know, unless I've just invented that. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's good, uh, you know, and it's nice, it's therapeutic. You're out, you're out and lovely, you know, it can be sometimes, uh, the nice Max weather. But you're out and about in, in the countryside, you know, birds are singing, you see wildlife, you know, you see birds of prey flying around, you know, you see rabbits running around. Uh, you know, so you've got all that aspect of it too. So yeah, it's it's, it's relaxing. Yeah, it's nice. Shall we? Uh, shall we carry on? Yeah. Because uh, I imagine the uh, the withdrawal symptoms of not digging, digging something up might be kicking in. So. Uh, but another reason is uh, you don't want to put your if it is a nice coin or another or an artifact, you don't want to stick your spade through it and and you know break it really or damage it. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> oh, what have we got here then? Uh, um, it's an old can. See, that's the funny thing about detecting. You, you got a good signal, but yeah, there's a perfect example here, Aaron. That you know, not everything's going to be treasures. <laughs> <laughs> this is a normal day out for metal detectors. Do you know why we do it? No. I do. Thought you probably would. Time travel. Go on. Metal detecting is the closest you'll get to time travel. What, what kicked it off then? What was it? What was the moment where you thought, that's for me, that? Uh, uh, sometimes when I'm doing cooking in the kitchen, I'll have Netflix on, you know, box sets. And I'm like, oh, what's on? What will I watch next? What will I watch? And I thought, I've seen this thing pop up. I thought, detector this. I was a bit too metal detecting, guys. Oh, I'll try I'll just watch it and give it a shot. I started watching it. And it's funny because I didn't quite get the humour the first time I watched it because I wasn't a detectorist but obviously watching it again now you get some of the, a lot of the points but I looked at it and went that's really quite interesting that oh that looks quite that looks quite cool you don't know what you're going to get and the show's very realistic actually because you do get a lot of coke cans and you know little toy cars and little bits and bobs that you, you, know, you find so it's not it's not going out and saying oh we found gold and coins and that all the time yeah, yeah. but I thought I'll give it a wee shot I just went and got a, a fairly basic metal detector um, and started going out and just well, getting permission, so that was the main thing. Uh, thankfully, a chap local to me who I know had, had a field, and he says, come out and have a look around. Uh, I found my first coin, I think, on my second trip out in his field, and it was a 1796 or 98 uh, George III coin. Uh, big, big penny. Uh, well, you should have seen me. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, if I found one now, but oh, that's a nice coin, you know. Yeah. Uh, give that to Landowner, they can put that in the mantelpiece. But, oh, that, I thought, whoa, it was like winning the lottery. I was like, whoa, wow, look at this coin. And, and I, like, he was in the garden. I went running up to him and showed that, the coin to him and his wife. And, and from there, it just kind of sparked, wow, what else is out there? See, archaeologists, they gather up the facts, piece the jigsaw together, 
work out how we lived and find the buildings we lived in. But what we do is that's different. So your collection is it a lot of coins? Is I do I do have a lot of coins. I found a fair amount of what you call eagle and child coins, um, which is uh, the Manx coin um, with the eagle on top of the child. A lot of the coins from that era can be what we call toasted. You know, the, okay. the, the ground over the years they've been knackered. But I've had a few that's been in quite good condition. Right. Um, and they look really nice. It's a nice coin to find. Uh, and sometimes I've got one of these jewellers loops. You can sit and get a bit more detail. But yeah, I found a few pure silver coins. Uh, I've been lucky enough to find a couple of hammered coins. Funny, in the, in the UK, people are finding hammered coins all the time. You know, they could go in a day and find six or seven. I've been detecting two years, and I think I've got five now, and I've dug a lot of holes to get them. They're not, the monetary value is not much at all. You know, a couple, you can buy them on eBay for a couple of pounds, but for me to find a coin at that period is amazing. You know, Of course, though, the, I suppose the, the pinnacle, or the most recent pinnacle for you, was the, uh, the 15th century ring. Me and the guy I was with... Um, when we were detecting we were convinced it was like a 1970s sort of retro sort of ring okay. and I stuck it on social media and some chap came up and went no no that's a, a medieval iconographic ring I was like jeez so I was like right okay right. so I called up the landowner uh, straight away and said look I found this I've been online and had a look I've identified it as being this do you want to come, you know, come round and see it so they came round uh, beautiful they were really happy to inform them you've got to inform them um which is a good thing uh and then i said well i'll have to take this to the museum you know uh, yeah i've got 14 days to report it but i don't see why you should wait 14 days you know unless, unless you're on holiday or something like that. but uh, to me reported it straight away to the landowner reported it to the museum you know landowner informed that night museum formed the next again day and took it down to the museum so following the correct processes is, is, is key mm-hmm. yeah but it was some find that yeah, but at the time, again, didn't have a clue what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, it's, of course, it's on display in the Manx Museum, and it's quite prized, isn't it? Because I think they don't really have anything in their collection from that period. Yeah, so I've been told, yeah. So it, it, is, it is a very interesting artefact um, to have in. I mean, I can't believe I've only been detecting two years and I've got something in, <laughs> yeah. in the museum. But is that, is, that, is that the ambition, then? You know, finding finding something of cultural importance for the island as a whole and then and giving it you know giving it to the museum giving it to the authority yeah i think i mean it's a sense of a sense of pride actually um of doing that i mean i feel very proud and privileged not only to find the ring but for it to be recognized uh, to be put in the museum so the manx public and the visitors to the isle of man can come and see it again the positive side is too it can build up a wee bit of a picture for the museum too. As, as I was saying, you don't have a huge amount from that period. So hopefully, over time, we can add like different parts. Should we carry on? Yeah. Should we yeah. see if we can find one more um, scrap piece of iron? Before? <laughs> this is the reality of detecting. <laughs> uh, I'd get a bit of a fright if we came across another ring, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. My name is Alison Fox, and I'm Curator of Archaeology for Manx National Heritage. I have never wielded a metal detector, oh, really? I have to say, God. yes. Uh, seems like a bit of hard work to me uh, <laughs> to go out, because I know the, the guys and girls go out in, in all weathers, and they're very systematic. Um, and I've, I've never actually done that. I've, I've served my time digging on research and commercial excavations that I've, uh, uh, I've dug as a, um, as a professional archaeologist, and I think probably uh, that experience experience has left me uh, being in uh, quite a nice and privileged position in that other people do the hard work digging and they bring the lovely things in for me to see. So in terms of the Manx Museum's collection then, how much does it owe to people like Gordon um, with their metal detectors or, or 
elsewhere that have came across some really interesting artefacts. If you take Gordon as a, a non-professional archaeologist, for example, um, he's got that interest in history and he's gaining more knowledge um, all the time. If we look at the collections, the archaeological collections, then they were founded on uh, the work of non-professional archaeologists. Um, the first um, antiquarian society, the Isle of Man Natural History and Antiquarian Society, who are still going strong, they were founded in 1879, I think it was. Um, they were largely non-professional antiquarians, archaeologists. They had interest. They would go around the island. They would make notes on the sites. They would um, you know, keep an eye out for things coming up with the results of building, especially when the railways were being built. A lot of things were found. Graveyards, a lot of things were found uh, in this sort of mid to late 1800s. And when the museum was set up, uh, well, when it was opened in 1922, a lot of the collections were um, the results of these non-professional people gathering all this information. And the first curator of the museum, uh, Philip Kermode, uh, he was um, what we what we call a polymath. He was he knew so much about so many subjects, but um, he was really responsible for gathering uh, all the all the artefacts together under one roof. Um, and really it's, it's from that basis then that the collections have grown. I think it's, it's always the uh, fabulous, glamorous things like the treasure, you know, that, that make the headlines, and rightly so. Um, for example, the, the ring that Gordon found is, you know, is a wonderful, wonderful object. But um, the, the people like Gordon who go out and metal detect and field walk, um, you know, they're, they're bringing in other things as well. They're bringing in worked pieces of flint, they're bringing in um, small bits of pottery, things that you wouldn't really necessarily take a second glance at, but they all, all these things help build up the picture of the past of the Isle of Man, of the rich history that we do have. Got them well, well stored there. Yeah, these ones, yeah. So in that little sort of pl plastic Petri dishes. Yeah, just to, just to look after them, really. There's other coins that I've got all just in there because of the ra wrecked in. What, what period are we looking at here? This ones here that we have here are all Queen Elizabeth I. Uh, so the coins here, we've got 1592 on that one, 15, 62, 1571 and 1580. Um, this coin here that we've got uh, is Henry VIII. Uh, you can see Henry VIII there on the coin. Obviously, that was wow. he was the father, Elizabeth I. I've found, oddly enough, uh, uh, you know, at Christmas time, you get the chocolate coins yeah. wrapped in gold. Well, I actually dug up, I actually, <laughs> truth, truth being told, I dug up one of them and it was all crushed and that together and it looked like a gold hammered. Um, so I no. opened it up and the way it sat in the ground, it looked like a gold hammered. And my heart literally just stopped and my hands were shaking. And I gently picked it up. As I picked it up, I could feel the weight and realise what it was. And oh, it I was mean, that was a moment. I mean, it looked just like a gold hammered coin. But that in itself, although yeah. it's not worth a lot, that's so rare, isn't oh, it, to yeah. find a chocolate coin oh, underground? God. I mean, the, the chocolate was all gone, but it was crushed. But oh, I went from, you know, absolutely just about having a heart attack of excitement uh, <laughs> looking around going just waiting for Jeremy Beagle to pop out and you know just saying ah we got you <laughs> these coins here are very interesting um, you'll notice that they're, they're pretty much blank but they're bent these coins here is that coin there that you see in its original okay. form but they're, they're classified as what you call love tokens um, these are really nice and special to have years ago they would give this to their loved one uh, as a token of love and they would bend it and that would just show but 
when the per person might be away at war or away to sea or just working away, you know, like let's say if they live in the north but the chap's got a job down at Port Erin and they can't come up for a couple of weeks, these things that they drop them for good luck and love. And you can see, you can just barely see, you just see the, the faint outlines. So to me, this is a lot more than just finding a coin. This is a love token. This tells a story. It, it's a kind of engagement ring of coins, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Very romantic. Fe yeah, it's very romantic and very touching. And I also respect the coins and like this that I find. As you can see, I've got them in the, the little bits to protect them. So they're not just kind of lying around. But yeah, all these little coins has a story um, of love and unfortunately one day tragedy. But like you say, it, it does. It tells the story in the sense there. You've got that Spanish piece there that... You know, it, it sort of suggests trading links and, yeah. you know, the sort of people that are visiting the island and, and coming and going and the transactions that are taking place. It, it gets your mind sort of turning over, doesn't it? And It does. I mean, you're talking about trading, actually. and see if I can find something here. Um, but, yeah, it just shows people from all over the world have travelled to the island. Um, a lot of them maybe just stop off and just trade and stocked up their boats and then moved on. Um, well, it was a sort of the fifteen hundreds, very sort of seafaring age, wasn't it? Yeah. Of, of discovery. And I mean, to a lot of people, I suppose coins. You know, it's everyday tender, isn't it? You don't really think or perhaps appreciate the detail. Yeah. It's not until you've sort of dug up one from history, all of a sudden you're like, wow! You you start marvelling at how intricate some of the designs are, particularly at what four or five hundred years ago. Yeah. It's it is brilliant. I mean, it's funny, I mean, as I said, before I started metal detecting, somebody said, you want to see some old coins, I'm like, nah, and I'm not bothered, but now when you get into it, it's amazing, you just get so involved in it, and you, you look at the coins, and you research the coins, and um, it's very interesting, and you learn all the time, you, you know, um, I'm slow, I've only just scratched the surface and things that I'm beginning to, mm. to understand about coins. Um, I imagine, when it comes to metal detecting, is it best to go in with no expectation at all? than you know sort of getting disheartened because i imagine you must have like a, a an idea of sort of the ultimate find you want you must have it in the back of your mind i really really want to find this one particular type of coin or this mm -hmm. one particular type of artifact and um, is it best to sort of have no expectations and just see what happens yeah i mean don't go in there thinking you, you, you're gonna find gold and you're gonna find you know treasure some people are lucky I, I was as you know very lucky to find that ring you know um but, yeah, that was a very unique and special moment. I don't think that will happen again. But, yeah, you can quite, as a metal detecting, you could get disheartened very quickly in it. You know, you could just find, we're out today, we just found bits and bobs of rubbish. Um, you can get disheartened. But, however, when you find your first coin, it's, it's a game changer. Wow. You know, and then you could go and find the second coin. And then you find, like, a, let's say, an artefact song. So once you start getting into it and start getting stuff, you do get encouraged. I think there's so much stuff out to be found. I mean, metal detecting is getting really popular now. Um, and it's certainly assisting a lot of museums, not just the Manx Museum, but also in, in England and throughout the world. And there's always stuff cropping out. I think we're only just scratching the surface. Yeah. Two very nice Victorian coins here. Who's are these? Uh, they're mine. Uh, my first hoard. Well, I'm not sure what you call that a hoard, Hugh. Puss spill, maybe. Were they in the same hole? Well, close. Ah, uh, close. Fifty odds. But they were in a straight line. But there are only two of them. Any two points on Earth are in a straight line. The search head is 10 or 11 inches across. 
and the Isle of Man is a massive, massive area. You never know what the next thing's going to be. And it's, uh, it's out there. It's out there. Do you just introduce yourself? I'm, I'm such a quiet guy. <laughs> Most of the time. Oh, you, see, you seem all right. Yeah, it's Rob, Rob Middleton. Well, uh, some people are very much into sports. You know, some people are into football or whatever it is they're into. And they've all got that moment that they want to achieve, you know, whether it's a penalty in FA Cup final. Um, for me, history's always been a, a big part of my life. Um, I, I've always enjoyed reading it and doing that. So when you find something which you can associate with an era, um, whether it's a, a coin from the reign of Henry VIII or something from the Viking period or the Roman period, something like that, um, it takes you straight back from now, straight back to then. Uh, so you've got that instant connection through history. It's, it's different for everybody, but for me, you know, it's, it's an emotional thing. It really is. So you are a bit of a veteran when it comes to treasure hunting. If I say the word to you, or the phrase, treasure hunter, if I said that to you mm-hmm. as, a, as a young kid who was just starting out with his metal detector, um, what did that mean to you then? And I suppose, what does it mean na- to you now? Is it still got the same connotations? A lot of people call it detecting or uh, searching, as it were. But basically, you, what you're really trying to do is find these... Um, these little bits of the jigsaw, the, you know, these little bits of history, which are made of metal. And throughout history, people have always lost things. So a field or an area where you've got permission and you want to go for a search, it may the landscape may have changed completely in the last thousand years. So there's no trace of why there should be anything there. So it's a bit potluck. It's a bit, it's a bit random, really. But equally, there's a very high possibility that somebody did lose something when passing through the countryside thousands of years ago. They might have hidden something, never retrieved it, and then a thousand years later, you're the first person back to, um, you know, handle that object which has come out of the soil. And you wonder, you know, what the weather was like the day the person lost it or, you know, they hid it on purpose or whatever. Um, what their family circumstances were like, what what the countryside was like. So you're sort of transported from now back to then. The great thing is, though, when you find something truly old and really important, is you know that you've kind of rescued it, because um, with a lot of uh, the changes in the environment which are going on, certain metals like copper and bronze, they are deteriorating rapidly in the, in the ground. They really are. They've been in the ground for thousands of years. So if you're fortunate enough to find something like that, you can, um, you're, you're rescuing it, and then, of course, from that, you get the information. The academics can get the information of you know, yet another find or whatever it happens to be. So, it, um, yeah, it's a good feeling. It's actually a good feeling to be there. But it is humbling, you know. It, for instance, some of the things I've found, I've been very, very lucky to have found uh, a number of objects which are up in the museum. And we're very fortunate as a band of detectorists to... Um, to have a good relationship with the museum over here and um, they've always been welcoming of what we do and the hours that we put in um, you know we're not after the fame and the fortune side of things but we know how important these little bits of the jigsaw are because there's no way these other little items would ever be found without people putting a lot of hard yards in in um, some difficult circumstances. So what are some of your favourite finds? What are your highlights? Because have you had a career t- detecting now for, what, about 30, 40 years? Yeah, I'd like to say nearer 30 than 40, but I think I might <laughs> be the other way round. I've been fortunate enough, I found um, two bits of Viking gold, 
over here, which uh, in the Manx Museum. And if you haven't been to the Viking Gallery recently, I would urge everybody to go because we don't shout enough about how good our museum is over here. And it um, it is of top, top quality. It really is. So I've had those two finds, which are probably the best. Um, but the axe heads, they were very important too because I've always wanted to find copper axe heads and I've been fortunate there too. I've had several Roman artefacts over the years, which are a bit unusual, but that then means that there's been trading going on thousands of years ago. Um, you often find flints, not with the actual metal detector, but as you're sort of field walking. And they're, they're of interest too because they're even further back in time. We're always looking to piece together the full picture of our past, aren't we? And I think, suppose, part of the mystery and the thing that drives us is that there will always be an element that we'll never truly know. Mm-hmm. We'll only know to a certain extent. But I suppose for a detectorist like yourself, what's out there still? What's on your bucket list? <laughs> um, what's, what, is, what is under our feet on the Isle of Man? Well, you would say there's probably more Viking material to find out and around. Um, but because the Isle of Man's population wasn't particularly large as it is now... Um, and certainly through the medieval period, sort of from the 12th century up to the Victorian times, there's actually not an awful lot found in the sort of 13th to 14th century, for instance. Uh, that's why the recent ring that came up is an important find, because it falls into a, an era which we don't actually have that many metal artefacts from. So what do you say to the um, the metal detectorists, the, the part-timers, the full-timers, the, the weekenders, the fair-weather the ones squelching in the welly boots mm-hmm. in the in the fields. What do you say to them when they've got their got their head down on a very dreary, unpleasant day, and they're all they're coming across is uh, rusty iron and uh, aluminium cans? Well, don't give up. Plod on. Nearly all the detectorists I've ever met have come across. They have one really underlying thing, and that's enthusiasm and a good mental positive attitude. And I think uh, that's something we can all carry off into no matter what hobby or even your own life. You know, if you. If you're positive that you're going to do something and you're willing to sacrifice a bit of time, um, yeah, it's amazing just what what can be found. You know, it, it's a bit hunter-gatherer. We like to uh, get out there into the elements and um, test ourselves as well. I would imagine someday somebody's going to find, you know, the big one. You know, it could be there. It may not be, of course. Um, and I would say good luck to anybody, a genuinely good luck, because I've had... You know, I've had those moments of uh, euphoria when you found something you really want to find. Um, and if somebody else is out there having a go, hey, best of luck to you. Mm-hmm.